0: Blob Talk Radio
1: Choices, decisions Frustrations and pain
2: Knowing I'm going To forget her someday
3: their hearts and understand that I Hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, which is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. We believe by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having those everyday conversations about life with dementia that we can remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and those that care for them. We want to give people in the trenches their lives back and let them live with purpose. And together, we can help have that conversation and get that true understanding of what the needs of this disease are, not just the myths and the stigmas that stagnate us. At our core, we believe collaboratively we can win this battle against dementia. And I know we're making a difference thanks to all of you, all of our followers who like us and tweet us and share these radio episodes along with the blog and the resource directory and have been joining Dementia Chats, which is our our webinar series where we interview people uh, that have dementia. They are our experts. Um, Just by doing those little things uh, make a huge difference because Dr. Oz and ShareCare recognize Alzheimer's Speaks as the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's disease. And, again, that is about all of us working together as one to raise awareness. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being part of that. And if you have a moment um, now just to go ahead and like and share us, that would be, that would be wonderful because the power of one joined together is, is just a massive, massive effort. So today's show is going to be a fantastic one. We have um, uh, some very interesting guests with us. And it's all going to be about engagement and awakening and and just taking things to the next level. But um, before I introduce our guests, I do want to remind you all that you can join in this conversation at any time by utilizing the chat box just go ahead and um, type your question or comment in the box. I'll be monitoring those as, uh, as the show proceeds. Or you can always call in live. And that number is 714-364-4757. That's 714-364-4757. And we would love to love to hear what you have to say. Um, I also want to uh, just make a couple of announcements. I want to thank Alzheimer's Disease International uh, for um, working with us. They are, they're just a, a fabulous organization. And if you are looking for an Alzheimer's organization anywhere in the world, um, ADI is the place to go because they are the association for, uh, for all associations. And you can get to them by just going to www.alz.co.uk. And I also want to do a shout-out to Coral Health, and that's C-O-R-O Health. And they are your music prescription. Uh, It's therapeutic music that heals, inspires, and supports. And I'll be having them on the show um, coming up in May and they're doing some really cool things and have a new app out as well um, that makes makes their music therapy very very mobile. And Choral Health, if you want to check them out before the show, is at uh, c o r o health dot com. That's www.coralhealth.com. dot com. Um, both organizations are just doing some very 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 fun things. Again, I don't know if uh, Rick Phelps will be with us or not. Rick has early onset uh, Alzheimer's disease, and he is the founder of Memory People, uh, which is a closed group on Facebook. But if Rick pops in, I will definitely pull him into the conversation as well. Um, And the last announcement I want to make is just, we did have a Dementia Chats, which is our webinar series that we do twice a month yesterday. And if you want to see the archive session of that, just go to alzheimerspeaks.com and look for the blog on the right-hand side, and you'll see the scrolls of of various postings. But the uh, Dementia Chats is listed right there, and you can can get a link to that. Um, Very interesting conversations that we had with people living with dementia. And basically, we were talking about um, how relationships change. And so, um, <clears throat> again, lots of great, great resources on AlzheimerSpeaks.com. So let me go ahead and um, introduce our guest here. We'll get this, uh, we'll get this show rolling. Uh, Maria Rise is a, is a registered nurse who has worked over eight years in long-term care with Ecumen, working directly with the Awakening program um, since it commenced in 2010. She's. Um, ex- it has extensive experience with behavioral assessments and management and a residential care coordination with uh, memory care um, being her specialty since 2005. And she is a Level 2 Certified Healing Touch International student. And so, Maria, I just want to welcome you to the show today. How are you doing, Maria?
2: Good morning. Thank you. I'm, I'm well. Thank you for having me.
3: Wonderful. I'm going to go ahead and introduce uh, Shelly, and then we'll we'll go ahead and start our conversation and hear what you two are up to. Uh, Shelly Matthews is an RN, and she is uh, certified in gerontology. She's worked in <coughs> excuse me, excuse me. <coughs> Shelley has worked in long-term care for over 20 years, and she has been a quality improvement nurse with Acumen since 2004. Um, and she's the Director of Quality Improvement for the past two years. And so, Shelly, welcome to the show today. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thanks, Lori. Thank you for having us.
3: Wonderful. I'm really excited to hear about this program um, called uh, the Awakenings Program. And so I'm going to go ahead and throw this uh, to Maria first. And uh, Maria, what motivated um, you guys to do this program in the first place?
2: That is a great question, and you know, all great I- all great ideas start with um, all great things start with a great idea, and that's in, in essence what occurred. Um, one of our sites um, in Sunrise is in Two Harbors. Uh, the team there decided that you know, um, going the team there decided that looking at the medications that the clients were taking, reducing any potential potentially unnecessary medications could possibly increase the quality of life for these clients. So they began their their, uh, their pilot program in reducing these medications, and surprisingly enough what they discovered was that a lot of the target behaviors that were being identified as the causative reason for, for utilizing these medications were still there after the medications were removed. So that really gave us some insight as to um the use of the medications and how necessary they really were.
3: Okay. Um uh, Ms. Shelley, is there any, anything that you wanted to add to that?
0: Yeah, well, you know, the center nursing homes are pretty heavily regulated um and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, has for many years been uh encouraging the the decrease of medications, particularly antipsychotics, and um, that the, in the last few years—well, a few years before this started—it was in 2009 that Ecumen Scenic Shores began their program. They, um, uh, one of our gals, one of our nurses, actually attended a an in-service about the dangers of antipsychotics, and you know, as nurses. We, we always want to do what's best for our patients. And, you know, if we go back 20 years when I was a nursing assistant, um, restraints were a big part of care. And, and as a nursing assistant, when I would tie people into their chair, I certainly did it because I thought I was protecting them, that I was doing the best for them. And the same goes with these antipsychotic medications that we've been giving folks with dementia because we thought that they were improving their quality of life. But what we found out was that they weren't improving their quality of life. They were actually just muting the, 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 their personalities. They were muting things in within their lives. And once scenic um, shores started removing them, they saw that people started to become... More alive and more engaged, and that's where the awakenings title came from that It was like people were awakened from the stupor and at the time ecumen um well the Department of Human Services here in Minnesota has a, a wonderful program it's it's the acronym is pip it's a performance incentive payment program so if you develop a quality improvement program, you can uh receive a an addition to the to your uh daily rates in nursing homes. So it comes off as a grant, um, but it, uh, it, it provides extra funds then to implement these programs for quality improvement. And in 2010, we were awarded a PIP grant for the Awakenings program for 15 of our uh, skilled nursing facilities here in Minnesota. And that's what started it. Uh, the, the, in 2009 with Ecumen Scenic Shores, they had such remarkable results. They were able to eliminate all the antipsychotics within their organization. They reduced their antidepressants by um, over 30%. And people were feeling good, and we had just remarkable stories, personal stories of family members who their mother recognized them and was starting to speak to them. We increased our restorative program so um, in order to engage the, the residents and improve their functional abilities, and the place just came alive. And um, the rest of us, because we have uh, 17 skilled nursing facilities here in Minnesota, Ecumen does. And we saw that, well, of course, that's the best thing to do. That's the right thing to do. And it just takes a little bit of a culture change in order to implement it.
3: Yeah, it's, well, it's an interesting process because, you. I mean, you think of, of so many things here in the U.S. especially. <clears throat> we are so used to just give me a pill and make it go away, you know, looking for that, that quick fix. But, you know, you guys had mentioned the masking um, of things and, and and to think of a of a community that's gotten rid of all antipsychotics that's that's incredible that's absolutely incredible. Um, in doing that, were you able to still um, because I know this is going to be a question on people's mind? Were you were you still able to maintain the same client base or with that philosophy? Did some of your clients um, have to move out because? Because of a need for medications at all?
0: No, that that actually we were able to maintain the client base. Um, we certainly didn't do it all by ourselves. We've had um, a wonderful. Collaboration with uh, the medical community. Uh, Dr. Tracy Tomak who's a geriatric psychiatrist, she was practicing in Duluth at the time um, when, when the program began, and she's still a, a huge part of our of our. She's part of our steering committee, and you know, is a wonderful resource for us. But um, we needed to have that support. Uh, there are alternatives, and, you know, really the, this certainly isn't a cure for dementia, but it does improve the quality of life of our clients. So we, it, we teach ourselves how to – we change our behavior, and that's been the, the biggest part of it. The caregiver has to change their behavior. The The person with dementia isn't going to change, but we find out personal things about those people that allow them to – you know, typically a behavior is – behaviors are an external reaction to an internal problem so that we have, that's what our our staff have become very good detectives at determining what is the problem if somebody is having a bad day or a bad moment we need to investigate and find out what that uh, what what is the cause of that and then do something that that we find improves that situation for them
3: well and i think that that's a really good point because we We love terming things as behaviors when it doesn't fit our immediate need because it's all about us. And if we're really going to be person-centered, it can't be all about us. It really needs to be about the person that we're caring for. And so um, as simple as that mindset you think would be to make um, in this industry, it's a big, huge shift um, for people to come to, don't you think? And
0: I'll oh, absolutely. To Maria. Yep. Mm-hmm. oh,
2: absolutely. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I believe that that has probably been the most difficult aspect of the program is the culture change that goes along with it. Um, we are creatures of habit by nature, and it's it's uh, it's about identifying different ways of doing things.
3: Yeah. Um, how have families responded? Because that's a that's a big shift too. I mean, just because of family dynamics, so you can go in and kind of tell staff you know, this is your job, this is what you have to do. But it's you know, with families, not so much. <laughs> you know, they, they kinda have their roles and um you know, there's not written job descriptions. How did they how did they feel about the program? Um and uh Sally I'll let you go ahead and take this one.
0: Yeah, you know that—that's the hard part—is because you know we're—we're we're all um, kind of wired to believe what our physician says, and you know if the physician orders a medication, then they must need to have that, and that—that that was hard for people to let go of. It took a lot of education and convincing, um, in the beginning, and and not that. And what I should say is that it, the physicians aren't—they're certainly not pushing these antipsychotics, but when the nursing home or the nurse calls and says, you know, I don't know what to do with this person because they're they're acting out or they're very agitated or they're upset and the physician's natural inclination then is to help out and so they prescribe a medication and most people, you know, family members too believe that well they need that to keep going. So, being able to uh gently educate uh, and then of course, seeing the results that that's what's been so motivating, and they're all personal to the family member and and to each you know individual staff member, um the experiences that they've had are are just so heartwarming and remarkable. Um we have dozens and dozens of stories that that we've archived and and share with you know amongst ourselves that really keeps people going. But um, it, we had we had a uh, um, news presentation. Carol Evans out of Minneapolis a couple years ago did a story, and they focused on the family members, and that was the most incredible thing. Every time I watch it, and I've seen it many times, it, it always brings tears to your eyes because it is it is so remarkable, and. That's where we have to put ourselves as care, as you know, professional caregivers. It's in the family's place because it, that's their loved one, and we try to treat treat everyone as if they were ours, and they are ours.
3: Well, that's that's a nice um, respectful way to to look at it. That you're part of the family, not replacing the family, but just uh, another addition uh, to that family support system because I think sometimes there can be uh dynamics and stuff that <laughs> that come into come into play there. I should probably back up and and have you when you guys, you know, went for this grant, I'm sure there was a lot of excitement, you know, seeing what was happening um up into Harbors and decided to go for the the grant money. Maria, can you talk to Ecumen's visions and expectations to to move this forward?
2: Yeah, um well, the the, initial inv- the the leaders at Ecumen believed that there was a better way than medications to treat many of the people who, you know, who are our customers. So although the culture in our society is accepting the use of medications, such as psychotropic medications, to help calm people with behavioral mood symptoms, our leaders really wanted to provide an individualized care that recognized each person's individuality, their dignity, and self-worth. So, we discovered through this programming that there are many, many other ways besides medications um, that can actually decrease, uh, that they, they, they can increase the quality of life when, when used in frail, um, that medications can decrease the quality of life for, for frail, for frail um, clients. Okay. So, I think the Ecumen's vision really kind of correlates and goes hand in hand with the, with the vision and the expectations of the Awakenings program.
3: Okay. Uh, Shelly, anything that you want to add to that?
0: Yeah. Well, there was a touch and go before we, it was about six months before we learned whether or not we were going to be approved for the grant. And at the time, we decided this, we have to do this. It doesn't matter. Uh, regardless of whether the, the increase comes, it's the right thing to do. And, and so all of the wheels were put into motion, um, irrespective of whether we've we got the grant or not, and part of the the cost, of course, was the training, and that was the biggest part. Um, and it's ongoing because you know with staff turnover and new people coming in and out, um, training is ongoing. And then we did we started a, a very robust restorative program, so that replaces. Um, well, we don't have people sitting around in chairs. They're, they're, they have good exercise programs. They're individualized to the client and what their functional abilities are. But getting people moving and walking and active, um, our activities program increased significantly. And then we needed a, a specific Someone, a champion. We had awakenings champion, or we call them project leads at each site that really tracks um, how how we do this because it had to be methodical. You can't just wipe out their medications immediately. And you know, as new people come into our buildings, and unfortunately, that, that well, they there is <laughs> it, it's a constant stream. Um, Typically, folks don't come into nursing homes until family has done all they can at home. And by that time, they've really probably built up quite a large um, cache of medications that they come in with. So, I mean, the the program never ends. It keeps going.
3: Okay. And that's that's a good point. Um, I I think that's really interesting in terms of I, I never really thought of it in that light of people at home probably, you know, do have a lot more medications just because, you know, they don't have the variables of staff uh, to, to switch out roles and, um, you know, trying to maintain things and trying to preserve things. And, again, having that attitude of the doctor always knows best. Um, and if this is what he's saying that I need to do, then this is this is the lead we're going to take. I know with my, my parents, um, my dad's since passed, and my mom's 85, and and in the nursing home. But the, their attitude was always whatever the doctor said was what the, what they were going to do. I mean, they just really really questioned, um, you know, what came out of any doctor's mouth because there was such a high level of, of respect um, for them. And you know, I'm in my mid 50s, and I I still have a high level of respect for, um, for the profession. But, you know, I don't have a problem questioning and asking why or how and, you know, um, some of the details versus just uh, taking, taking it and go. And I think that's one of the benefits um, in terms of a, a community like Acumen is, is saying, hey, you know, maybe there are better ways. And, and the fund saving from uh, getting people off those psychotropic meds, I mean, that, those are expensive. Little buggers, too, um, so there's got to be has there been any research in terms of um, cost savings from a from a pharma um, pharmacological side for patients at all?
0: Yeah, well, we're, we're working on, on getting more, uh, you know, verifiable data, but our self-reported data. And, and, of course, we had outcome measures with the PIP program. Um, our our outcome goals were to improve our quality indicators, quality measure, quality indicators. Uh, Minnesota has those for all of our nursing homes, and people can see them on the Minnesota report card or five-star rating. But um, our goal was to improve our quality indicator for um, antipsychotics without a psychosis diagnosis by um, 20% over the three years, and actually after year one, we had improved it by 97%. So we, we hit cow. our goal. <laughs> yeah. Now the goal is to keep that keep that momentum and, and maintain it because it, you know, the the quality indicators are updated every three months, every quarter um, they're updated. So we're still we're still way up there. Um, um, we're the average. Um, it's run on a point system. And where the average points um across the state of Minnesota for uh that particular indicator would be fifty nine point nine um ecumen is at eighty seven point nine so that that's the difference just within our organization but when we look at the the medication eliminations and reductions we've had, and this is just averaging it out um over at the uh end of June of last year we'd had over eight hundred medication reductions or eliminations. And atypical antipsychotics, which are the ones that are most commonly prescribed for elderly clients with dementia, are are your Zyprexas and Risperdal and Seroquel. They run, well, they have just become generic in the last um, half a year so, the, the prices come down on them somewhat, but at the time they ran from 275 to over 450 dollars a month. So when you multiply that by those 800 reductions, we we are saving over 200 to 350 thousand dollars a month just on those medications alone, which is charged back to either the client or Medicare Medicaid.
3: Yeah, that's that's an incredible number, and when you look at the numbers of people. Um, with dementia, why we are not putting more money into these types of programs. Um, I know that uh, we don't have the, the lobbyists that the, that the pharma does necessarily, um, but it's, it's huge. It's absolutely massive. And, you know, part of my belief too is if we can get people off the drugs and really know what the true symptoms are of this disease, um, then it's going to be easier for the researchers to To zone in on a cure, because right now it's just it's so wide and 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 um and spread, and we've got so many things like you said masking you know the true the true issues out there um maria I'm going to um have you talk to us a little bit about how the organization implemented the the program if you can kind of give us a step by step process of you know how you how you decided to to switch this out and, and do your training and, and um, kind of what it looked like as you were going?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, our first step was, it was really identifying leadership within each site, uh, people who believed in the, in the changes that were coming, that there was a different way of delivering the care. And we worked um, with these particular what we call project leads in each facility. Trained them extensively along with the administrators and the directors of nursing, um, because we were expecting a facility-wide culture change. So it wasn't just a nursing department movement; it was uh, an entire department movement. So it, it did take everyone from every department to be on board. And once we identified the people who were really going to continue to, you know, to infuse that energy and um, keep pretty much the elephant on on the road, um, we began our education. And the education and the resources that we provided to each facility came from a number of places um, we worked with um pa- you know with the uh, with many many different uh, professionals uh, to bring us education for us for example um we identified with uh, the patient safety advisory from Pennsylvania the patient safety authority and um mm-hmm. even though the material's a little outdated um it, it helps staff understand that medications are, um, are tolerated differently by the elderly as they are, you know, than we tolerate them. So it gives them an idea of um, what's, you know, acceptable dosing on our elderly clients versus uh, younger clients. Looking at alternative okay. care plan interventions was another area of, of education, and um, we utilized uh, a lot of um, the, uh, some um, evidence-based, products from the, from the Hartford Center for Geriatric Nursing Excellence, um, get some um, materials from them, along with uh, Jolene Brackey, she has uh, some um, DVDs in her website that we utilize to help the line staff understand just different ways of interacting and managing out-of-character episodes when they do occur. So um education you know was was I I call it the second step but in reality is a step that continues throughout and and always through the programming because um you know we 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 began educating our our staff members within the facility but then we extended the education out to families and into physicians because we found that if our physicians were on board with what we were doing it was um a lot it, it was going to be a lot easier to to get them to um To ask those questions, you know, what have you tried, you know, prior to now, um, you know, can you tell me more about the symptoms and and so forth, and really increasing that thought process that medication should not be your first um, choice. So along with the education came engaging all the key experts and the consultants. um, Again, like Shelly had mentioned, we were very fortunate to have Dr. Tracy Tomac, a psychiatrist uh, currently with the Regents Hospital in St. Paul, Minnesota. As one of our team members, and she began to teach our um, physicians about um, different ways of using medications. Um, because, you know, psychiatrists who simply the, you know that prescribe medication, um, it, it's it's a little different um, when people have be- the behavioral psychology in a, in that field of study and expertise behind it. So our physicians were able to learn from that. Engaging family members was another key step in ensuring that the program was um, was successful. Because, as you had mentioned earlier, there is a fear factor associated with the unknown. And if your loved one has always been um, under the influence of a medication, because in that in your mind and in the history behind it, is that was the right thing to do, the person um, wasn't perhaps exhibiting those behaviors that either the family sometimes finds more distressing than the client themselves. Um, it it's scary to just think about oh what what is my loved one going to be without this medication and um so engaging families, building trust because um they you know they they needed to be reassured and they needed to understand that um if the medication reduction or discontinuation proved to be in any way uh less than a positive effect for the client if they, if they had a, a less quality of life because of, you know, the lack of medication that we would definitely bring it back. And sometimes it was a matter of, of, of reducing it, and they did better on a lower dose instead of completely being off the medication. But it was kind of a, 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 building a relationship between the client's um, family and, our, and ourselves so that they knew that we were all working together towards the end result and really just the ongoing support of of the programming in it like I said education it doesn't you know continues to grow today and we continue to bring experts into the field into our organization to to speak to our staff about different ways of uh, managing these episodes and learning new ways about medications you know identifying with delirium and in essence that is the program it's, it's a lot of education
3: Okay. Well, wonderful. Um, I'm just going to do a shout out to our audience again. If you have any questions or or comments, please feel free to use the chat box or you can call in live at 714-364-4757. That's 714-364-4757. We would love to uh, hear your thoughts on this. I I just find it absolutely not only fascinating but exciting, and and so long overdue. Because um, being on this journey myself with my mom for 30 years, the the stigmas have been hard and fast in terms of how can you engage people, and when we've got them, you know, drugged up, it's pretty hard to engage them, um, to you know, to control them, and it's been very interesting. For me as an individual, not only as a daughter, but just to watch this disease, it's really brought home the fact how much um, influence I have on somebody else by how I act, and um, that I can really change the environment and the energy level and um, all of those types of things, Um, not with drugs, not with alcohol, but just by how I choose to interact. With someone, and I, and it sounds like your program really helps in terms of of making those connections as well. Would Would you say that's accurate, uh, Shelley?
0: Oh, absolutely. That's exactly right. And you know, when people lose their short term memory in dementia, and that's what we're trying to teach our staff. They don't want to behave differently, but they have a lot of fear. So if if you don't remember where you are, you're you may react your fear may come across as striking out or if i came up to you and you don't know who i am that morning and and just you know and not aggressively but i'm i'm going to help you get dressed that would scare you and many times we pass that off as that's their you know i'm i'm doing air quotes here that's their behavior and that's not a behavior that's a natural reaction to fear so our approach is absolutely Paramount to how they are going to react. And if somebody, we, we've learned a lot over the last several years, but if someone is looking, you know, we have to get to wherever they are. We need to go where the resident is, where the person with dementia is. We're not, we can't try to pull them into our world, and we shouldn't. But there can be wonderful things to find in their world. So, for example, if they're looking for their children, they're probably in their mind they're in their 20s, they're a young mother. So, there's nothing. You know, years ago we we had reality orientation. Um, I'd say 15 years ago, when I was working as a nurse manager, um, they, we were told to you know bring people back to if they said you know I'm looking for my husband, and if we were supposed to bring them to reality, no, your husband died three years ago. Oh my god, what a horrible thing for that person to to experience moment after moment because she'd forget, you know, maybe in a half hour, mm-hmm. but then she'd want to know where he was again and we'd try to bring her back. And again, and and I looking back now, I, it it's awful that we put people through that, but we thought we were doing what was best for them. But when we know better, we do better. My Angelo said that, <laughs> and I we use it all the time because we know better now. We know that these drugs really don't improve a, the patient's experience or the resident with dementia's experience. Um we know that it can actually harm them. So when we know better, we should be doing better and and reality orientation doesn't work. We need to go where they are. And you're right, it's mm-hmm. all about how we behave. We have yeah. all the control over how they are going to experience life.
3: Well, one of one of my um training, you know, um equations that I use when I go out and speak is is getting people to really understand that a person with dementia reacts exactly the same way the rest of us do. They use the exact same formula. Um, it's just being processed different and that formula is their current attitude plus their past experiences equal their perceptions. Wherever they are in time and place is their perception and that perception then triggers the reaction. And when we don't like the reaction, then we label it a behavior and say, you know what, you're not fitting into my world real good right now, <laughs> so you have to change. And and like, like you ladies said, they can't change. You know, they don't have that skill set to be able to do that anymore. So, you know, we really have to just put on those detective hats because there is a reason for the reaction if we would just slow down and pay attention and I think that's probably one of the most difficult things that I see when I go out and do training is getting people to slow down and not be so task-oriented, you know, because we've always pushed people to be very task-oriented. You know, this is what you have to do, boom, 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 boom. Um, and really you have to start shifting to being truly that person-centered person centered um, you know, uh, formula that you're talking about. And, and that takes, that you know, that just doesn't happen overnight. Um, it's something that has to be practiced and it has, you know, it's almost a skill that has to be unlearned and relearned again in a different fashion. You're still getting the task done, but you're learning to be more spontaneous in terms of maybe how it's delivered um, and not as judgmental and more in the moment, you know, with that person and um yeah it's it's a big big culture change and uh a very very interesting process what um i i'm going to throw this back to um, Maria again what have been the most um difficult aspects of of implementing the program
2: Maria yeah i i think it's the culture it's it's the culture change along with um knowing how to be proactive in behavior management. It's really giving them the, the tools necessary to really look at the client with their eyes, you know, to, to listen with their eyes, as I say, and to identify how they can infuse an intervention proactively um, to, to reduce the behavior. You know, wondering is, is an, excellent, um, it's, it's an excellent example to use when, when a client begins to, to so-called wander. They're looking for something, so when the caregiver sees this, it's a great time to start intervening um, by trying to figure out what are we looking for and how we can get in their reality and try to give them a moment of serenity by, by just validating that what they're looking for, you know, maybe it's their children, maybe they're at school, um, and, and making things okay. Instead of um, past practice would be to wait until this wandering has escalated to to a place where the client's really trying, now they're distressed and they really need to find what they're looking for. And by then, it's really too late to really try to bring that person back. So I think that is probably one of the, the most challenging aspects of education that, that I've encountered in working with staff is really, um, you know, how do you provide that toolbox for each individual staff member who already brings their own set of skills into the workplace and some, you know, with different backgrounds. Um, it's an individualized educational process for for each culture, and each facility has a different culture. So, because of the variations in that and the training needs, I, I believe that to be the most challenging aspect.
3: Okay, there's a there's a comment. Um, Nurse Pam is saying reality orientation to me was a form of abuse. She said I used to use my technique back then, and I was written up for this today. What I try to do now is just consider the right thing to do. And, you know, there's the saying that when you've seen one person with with Alzheimer's or dementia, you've seen one person with Alzheimer's and dementia. And I think that also is one of the difficult things in terms of of training is that you really have to be spontaneous. You really have to have a toolkit when approaching this because every individual person with the disease is different, but so is every care partner, and then you mix those together, and then you put them in different environments, and it's 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 constantly mix you know mixing and shifting and shaking, and and um, it is about doing doing the right thing. Um, one of the um, other tools that that I have used um, is called your memory chip, and I don't know if you ladies have heard about, it, but it's a, it's just a real simple thing to get people off that kind of list of things to do, and it gets people focused on three simple things. You know, is the person safe, are they happy, and are they pain-free? And to me, one of the biggest shifts for me as a daughter was to, to understand that it wasn't about right or wrong, it wasn't really about um, uh, set routines, so they're definitely helpful, but it was really about if I'm going to be... Person-centered. It was really about: Is this person calm? Are they happy? Are they peaceful? Because that was really the service that I decided that that I wanted to deliver. Um, not only when I'm training, but but with individuals that I know, like my mom, and love. At the core, that's all I really want for her is to be calm and safe and happy. Um, you know, she's been in her end stages for four years, so she can't really tell me what she wants, but I, I try to put myself in her shoes and that's what I would want, you know, to be treated with dignity and to be peaceful um, because so many times, you know, we would mentioned the wandering and the, the pacing or the repetitiveness, it's all that anxiousness um, that's inside them and so getting to the, the core of what's, what's causing that um, uh Shelly, did you have anything else that you wanted to to add in terms of, you know, difficult aspects of, of, um, you know, getting this program off the ground and continuing?
0: Yeah, well, leadership buy-in certainly was uh, and continues to be a big part of it. Because if the leadership in the facility isn't supportive of, you know, so let's say someone needs to is supposed to have a bath today, you know, our our task oriented staff want to get their jobs done, but it might not be the right time. Leadership has to make sure that they make it okay for everyone to, to give that individualized care that you spoke of. And I just wanted to comment on Nurse Pam. I, I that I think that's wonderful that she had the foresight um way back when, because it really was It was a different time, and and we get better and better as time goes by. I believe. Um, Certainly, this. I mean, I I think our we're not the only ones with these kinds of attitudes. Certainly, but um, the more and more it catches on, uh, I I see things as you said, Lori. Things are are going to have to change. Um, We're going to have to start putting our money where the where the benefits are, because right now. There, there's no known cure, there's no known treatment, and there's no known prevention for Alzheimer's dementia. There's nothing right now. Uh, mm-hmm. but so we have to live with what we have uh, but and make the best of the situation. Uh, but somebody, we do need to be advocates and make sure that, that, that the research continues and not just these, you know, the stop gaps, which I think some of these answers with medications um, that aren't effective, that they do mute people, and maybe make it easier for those that are that are around them but it doesn't make it better for the client themselves.
3: And I agree with you. I'm not I'm not anti-pharma um by by any stretch, but I I truly believe that we have to as a society, as a world, we have to learn how to live with this disease. We've done that with heart disease and diabetes and AIDS and cancer and everything else, and we have to remove the fear. We have to We have to start having these conversations. I mean, that's one of the reasons I started Alzheimer's Speaks was just to try to get people comfortable having the conversation about what's it really like, what are the true needs, because otherwise we're just a bunch of professionals running around guessing. And we need to to hear and see and talk to people um, and get ideas, and we need to get creative. We've got to break down those silos and... Um, and use them differently, you know, repurpose things. And um, that's one of the things, personally, I love about my job, is being able to connect people all around the world with all these different, unique approaches. And as um, is, is wonderful as the Awakenings program is or the Memory Cafe, it doesn't mean that the next guy has to do it <clears throat> exactly the same, you know, but... Make a change um, and develop something that's going to work for your study. And, you know, I think by sharing the information and sharing the ideas is is so empowering. I I hear that from people all the time, that it's like, you know, I didn't didn't look at it like that. I didn't think of it like that. Or, well, if they can do that, you know, I I bet we could do that. You know, we could try that. Um, And... Again, removing that whole fear of of change itself. Um, you know, ecumen had to have a very strong stance um, to to um, take on a challenge like this because there is the risk of failure anytime you make a change. And um, and then to go in with you know after grant money and you have to prove it and, and, and substantiate it. Um, you have to really look at those things closely, but. I think when we're guided by the heart and the soul of, like, what Nurse Pam said, of doing the right thing, it becomes much easier. And the fear of, well, maybe I don't have it perfect, and realizing that perfect doesn't matter. It's about progression because um, what I was hearing from, from both of you is that you know, the system um, that you've got developed, I mean, you're constantly in there training and tweaking and, and doing things because, you know, there's staff turnovers, their residents change, um, and I'm sure you've learned new things as you've progressed through this disease. Um, any comments on that, Maria?
2: I absolutely agree. Um, there, there is a constant need for education and bringing new new ways of thinking. And that's the the, the wonderful thing about this program is that what it is today wasn't what it was initially. Um, so it has grown into what it is today. And I really like to say that the Awakenings program is, is more than a program. It really is a way of caring. It's, it's a way of, of, of going through the process of the nursing process in a different way. And really, utilizing our nursing um, uh, scope of practice, and, and coming up with those non-pharmacological interventions that we we can, we just have to tap in there and, and look for it.
0: Um, Shelly, anything that you want to add? Yeah, well, she's absolutely right. We we are um, constantly morphing, <laughs> and our, our next venture is uh, we, Ecumen has. Uh, forty three assisted living facilities within Minnesota, and we are also branching out to other parts of the country and assisted living as you know our plan had always been to start with our skilled nursing facilities and then move the the philosophies of awakenings into our memory care units of our housing and um so that is happening um, Maria's hard at work creating that and, and getting information out to our housing sites. But just as a preliminary, we started gathering data. And, of course, um, folks in housing come from their homes, typically. Um, they don't need any kind of nursing care, but usually they've also gotten to a point um, at home where it's become too difficult to be alone. Uh, the the use of antipsychotic and other psychotropic medications and in ho- folks in housing was just dwarfed what we are using <laughs> in skilled nursing facilities, and that was a big shocker to me, but that's that's what I said that uh, now I'm starting to realize I mean people do what they can at home and they do their best to manage but um same thing it, we have it's everywhere, so I would imagine that there are people in their homes that are are loaded up as well and again, I'm not there certainly is a place for medications when they help, but what we found is that that many times they're not giving us the relief that the person with dementia needs.
3: Very true. And again, a a lot of times, uh, I mean, you see this not just with dementia, but in all different cases where you go to one doctor and they give you a pill, you go to another doctor, you get another pill, and people talk about that all the time where, you know, no one really knows all of the pills you're on except the pharmacist and most people aren't asking the pharmacist you know hey yeah. do these guys get along in my system or, or not right. and um, so very very important stuff um, to be to be looking at and you know the pills so many times are easier uh, to take than you know maybe going out for a walk and doing some exercise or changing our, our eating habits and You know, and I can say I'm I'm guilty as charged myself. I'm not a pill a pill taker, but I probably don't take as many actions to improve my my uh, my life my lifestyle or my body as I should Um, do. I need to walk that uh, talk a little bit better uh, for myself. uh, In in and of itself, there. in terms of um the awakenings program um can either of you speak to maybe um comments from staff and how they have felt about this program and Maria, I'll throw this to you first
2: mm-hmm. um yes, I think um well, just like any any other person myself included um, the program has been it, it's work it's hard work it's not easy it does uh, it does call for more staff um Observation time, assessment time. Um, initially, getting to know the client, what works, what doesn't work. Um, but in time, when you, when and most staff members uh, really come out with the with the aha moment when they actually see the the results of their work, um, stories and, and testimonials about clients who had you know perhaps not been verbal at all, um, all of a sudden begin to interact with them and say good morning or smile. Um, things like that. It really, those are the moments that really make all the work rewarding, and they they see mm-hmm. that. But initially, is there resistance? Was there resistance with the, with the thought process of it? Absolutely. Anytime there's change in in a in a culture that's, as you had suggested earlier, and I and I have to agree. From being a nursing assistant myself, task orientated work. Now mm-hmm. going to you know person centered. Um, Approach It, it is the shift, and um, not everyone can make those shifts easily. So there's resistance with change. But like I said, if if you if the leadership sticks with the with the with the actual vision, and supports the staff through whatever you know, usually people, when they have difficulties coming to a place, is because they they need more information, or tools to get there. It's it's a lack of. Um, Insider education, and once they have those things, they can move forward with it. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I found in terms of shifting culture change from kind of that task to person centered is um, what I do is I call it emotional based training, where I get them to feel the need for change. And, um, you know, I always talk about, you know, for me, I didn't wear a seatbelt for years. I mean, well, we didn't have to, you know, when I was growing up. And then you know my daughter went to school and was taught you know you wear your seatbelt and from her nagging I wore I, I felt the pain you know to, to wear my seatbelt and to do to do things differently and I think um, it's all about um, kind of that storytelling and and sharing those just precious connections that happen um, and empowering staff in terms of. Being able to make some different choices and having input, I think that's one of the the beauties of of going to this type of program is it really can light the staff on fire in terms of well, what if we try this or how about if we try this with this person? Um, you know, or I heard family you know, and all of a sudden they're sharing these these moments that we didn't know about before and then getting, getting the families um to share that that personal history and, and engage can can make so much difference too. Shelley, do you guys do kind of a a, a patient history um with families to to help um help employees engage?
0: Yes, you bet. Uh it, the more detail the better because again when when you when you get into their place you need to know what the details are you need to know what their best friend's name was when they were in high school those are you know tools that you can use to get people into a a place and and what we say is you know it isn't all about the whole day it's about creating those moments of of peace and serenity and happiness and and you know many moments like that are, are put together create a really great day. We found that laughter, and, and I don't know where I heard this research, but apparently laughter releases endorphins of happiness that last twenty minutes. So if you can get people to laugh every twenty minutes, you have a pretty good day. <laughs> but uh, having those details, knowing knowing where people are make a huge difference. And then knowing what doesn't work is also good, and and having a a good, effective way of communicating from, you know, shift to shift and staff person to staff person is really important. Um, Maria's got a whole list of tools, and, you know, we know what some of the tells are, and the, the, the staff that work day to day with people um they really know what their tell is they know if if they start tapping their foot that that means something specifically and they can hurry and intervene um before things escalate as you know with like the, the example she gave with wandering
3: yeah it's um it's just unbelievable when you're able to to share when you're able to laugh i mean it's going to be much better for staff wanting to go into a place where they feel it's fun um, versus they're stressed out and not sure they're doing their job right or you know not having that engagement um it you know that's why people stay you know in their positions when they're when they're happy and um and you can just do so much for so many um by role modeling that too i've I found where my mom is at and i I would imagine that <clears throat> that this has happened in your your um communities as well but when you've got somebody who is engaging somebody others are watching and they're they're learning new techniques without a word being said about training you know it's just kind of that osmosis thing um where mm-hmm. they're like oh look at that I can I can try that and then all of a sudden I'm I'm seeing somebody another family member or even a staff member maybe trying a technique that I just used um you know with my mom or with somebody else um in in the facility, and it's just and, and all of a sudden the conversations start of why are you you know why are you doing this and how did this happen and um you know just the benefits and that open communication is so beneficial on so many different levels, and it just allows you know when I walk into a a community like Ecumen, you can just feel you know kind of a um how do i want to say uh, that freedom's not the right word but it's um it's this comfort and it's this um this power of connectiveness that isn't in all communities and it's not in all families it's not in all settings and it is something that that has to be learned and nurtured um, and embraced and and to have that that power in leadership because you're right if you don't have the right leadership you're you're in big trouble Um, to be able to pull that off because you've got to have that consistent cord there. Well, I can't believe our hour has just flown by so quickly here. Um, Maria, is there anything else that you want to add to the conversation?
2: Um, Not specifically. I think we've covered a lot of information. I mean, there's a lot more to cover, of course, but um, just really um, excited that you had us today on your show. Thank you so much. It's an honor and a pleasure to share what we're doing.
3: Well, great. Shelly, anything that you would like to add?
0: Yeah, same here. I'm so uh, thrilled that you had us on today, and it did fly by. We were a little nervous early this morning, (laughs) but it went very good. It was very painless. Thank you so much, Lori. Um, And we hope to have a – actually, we're going to be launching a new website that will have a lot more information um, about awakenings through Ecumen. Uh, very shortly, but um, we do have handouts available uh, just on the steps that Maria went through uh, just to give an overview of the program if anyone is interested.
3: Well, that's wonderful. And they can go to ecumen.com and that's Um or you can also email Maria and her email address is on the uh the uh radio page there as well but it's Maria Rise um M A R I A R E Y E S at Ecumen dot org. And we are going to um I'll be putting uh, the episode on Alzheimer's speak's blog and we'll be putting a link um, so that you can get directly to that um, PDF about awakenings. And then I would love it, ladies, if you can let me know when your new site is up on this. Uh, you know, If you want to submit an article to Alzheimer's Speaks Blog, um, we'd love to push that out. I think this is an absolutely fabulous program, and it would be wonderful to see it expand um, all around the world and, and people really take this in and embrace this. So wonderful wonderful work that you're doing and I thank you um, each for taking the time that you have today to be on the show.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Lori.
3: Okay. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. I'm going to go ahead and um, introduce our next guest here and I'm just thrilled to have John with us today. This is um, going to be just kind of a fun topic. I I had met the, uh, what, the, what they call the LAMA group um, about a year and a half ago, and they are this group that is just so ignited um, to make a shift and to make a change um, in our dementia care culture. Now, John um, Kopick is the Community Outreach Coordinator for Lakewood Health Systems and Psychiatric Services. And Lakewood's Ref- Reflections Program provides uh, psychiatric services for adults that are the age 55 and over. And for the past 10 years, he has been working with aging services and older adults in central uh, Minnesota. And he is one of the founding members of LAMA. So I'm going to go ahead and pull John into the program. How are you doing, John?
4: I'm very good, Lori. Can you hear me Okay
3: can hear you just fine. I can hear you just fine. I'm going to start out and ask you, what does LLAMA stand for?
4: <laughs> That's a good question, and everybody asks us that. It's actually the Lakes Area Memory Awareness Advocates, and we found that LLAMA is a lot easier to say and a lot easier to remember than that.
3: <laughs> well, and it's so cute because when I get the emails, there's always a LLAMA you know, somewhere in the email, it seems like, too. So it's uh, it just kind of makes me chuckle. Um, I have been so impressed with your, with your group. Can you tell us how you got started um, in terms of this mission of shifting our dementia care culture in central Minnesota?
4: Oh, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we only need to go back probably about three years or so. Um, I was doing community development work in, you know, north central Minnesota, and I got a call from the Alzheimer's Association and they wanted to start a presence in the Brainerd Lakes area and so uh, after a couple discussions with them, uh, we called a meeting uh, in Brainerd and we invited uh, senior service providers in the area and just began to talk about this, what we saw as a lack of services, lack of information about Alzheimer's and memory loss and out of that, uh, the group was amazing. I think we had about 12 people show up and We began to decide who do we need in this group if we're going to go out and tell the Brainerd Lakes area about memory loss, Alzheimer's, dementia. And names just started coming forward, and all of a sudden we began to to meet monthly, and uh, kind of one thing led to another. We uh, developed a vision and a mission. We decided that uh, basically we're going to go out and kind of be the educational piece that we can for almost for the Alzheimer's Association in the Brainerd Lakes
3: area. Wonderful. Well, I know I was at uh, your conference last year, and um, I, I see these emails zipping back and forth, and I've I've just never seen so much energy. I mean, I before I open up the email, it almost feels like it's going to blow up my computer because there's just so much excitement on, on what all you guys are doing, and, and the speed <clears throat> at which you're pulling things together and working together as a team, I just find very, very fun and, and very, very exciting. Now, you've got a forum coming up um, this year. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
4: Sure. Uh, you know, the, the mission that we have at LAMA is we want to create dementia-competent communities, and we want to do that by informing the public, and we want to do that to help increase knowledge and awareness. And so what we've done the last two years, and today is our, this will be our third year, is we've put together a forum, and uh, this year's forum is uh, entitled Dementia, Family, Community, and Professionals Doing It Right, and we offer this uh, in Brainerd, and we've put together quite a cast of characters that are coming together to deliver information to folks on May 21st.
3: And that's going to be held at the um, Central Lakes College in Brainerd, if I'm I'm mistaken? Central Lakes
4: College in Brainerd, they're one of our partners. We have a number of partners throughout the region, and uh, they're the host site for us. We've been there the last uh, two years. It's it's a good place for us. And uh, if anybody's listening that actually tried to get there last year, there was some road construction, uh, made it a little difficult to actually get to the form. The road's completed. The road is wonderful. There's no problems with road construction this year.
3: Yeah, I was there last year, and it was like I thought, oh, I'm going round and round, and it's like, okay, there's got to be an in here someplace. <laughs> so that's nice that that's gone. Now, um, Verna is also with us. Can you introduce Verna to our group? Um,
4: I, I certainly can. Uh, Verna Tenyon is the uh, Aging Services Coordinator in Todd County, and I've known Verna a, a number of years. Uh is kind of instrumental in getting a, a group from Todd County to come over to our forums. Verna, uh, can you hear me Okay.
1: Yes, I can.
3: What else did I think about you? Yes, Um, I can hear you well. Berna. is there anything else that you wanted to add regarding your introduction at all? Not really. I'm
1: really delighted uh, just to be a part of this conference and get this information out to people. And I'm really glad to have Todd County you know, area extended, we are served quite strongly by the Lakewood health system, and so I believe it is really imperative that we get that information into our entire county.
3: And what are you seeing from the, the needs in terms of your, your county members? Is this something that that people are really um, grappling for, uh, information on dementia? The very first uh training
1: that I hosted in the area, we had almost 80 people attend. It was the we had no room to seat them anymore. Um and that's when we decided that we really needed to be more aware what was happening. And so each year we host a conference uh or a training uh that has to do at least in part with memory loss and dementia, some of the aspects that people need to talk and we talk about caregiving a lot. Um, This year, we're actually doing a brain fair to be developed uh, in Bertha, Minnesota, in August.
3: Okay. Wonderful. Well, that's exciting. I I think that that's fantastic, and the needs are just so massive, no matter where you live in this world. And um, to think that you had 80 people show up, and we're running out of space for your first one—that's that just you know says that the community needs and wants this information. Uh, so badly. Uh, I know I, so I met
4: Verna a number of years ago and we worked on a bundled services program for Todd County in which not only would uh, the senior get a meal but also they might get some uh, some library books or some other information. Somehow we're trying to put all services together that we could get to that person rather than just a one-time drop off of a meal. Uh, Verna, that, that program has been pretty successful.
1: It has been very successful. In fact, as we're actually looking at trying to expand the ability to serve uh, surrounding counties, we have the ability, the skill, and the past track record. We could probably serve about five kitchens or five uh, counties with our service if we get it off the ground. So that's what we're working on in in Todd County.
3: Wonderful. And, and
4: so when we began Lama, uh, Verna was kind of a logical pick to be part of the group because of her experience in in Todd County and working with the senior centers in Todd County. So she's been a pretty valuable member for us in terms of getting people involved with the services we provide.
3: Oh, that's that's wonderful. And it really it it takes a team. To, to be able to pull things together It, it truly does um, None of us can do this alone and, and I think that's one of the things that I find so exciting About your group Is the way you all work together um, Is just absolutely incredible I mean there's just this real sense Of the greater good And making a difference And um, it's, very, um, it's very fun to be part of And I'm, I'm thrilled to be um, coming up and, and speaking to your group again this week or not this week, but next month here. Can you tell us, John, a little bit about who should attend the forum?
4: Well, sure, and uh, we talked about that at length, you know, when we want to put the forum together, and, you know, the idea was that, well, this should probably be for, you know, I'll say uh, spouses of those uh, affected with dementia, Uh, but we wanted to go more than that, too. Uh, You know, a big part of it is for professionals working in, in aging services or mental health. And then, again, one of the... The uh, audiences we're really trying to reach would be the the sons and daughters of those folks that have dementia or recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I think it's really important for those folks to get information about that because one of the things we keep finding is that, you know, Alzheimer's is, is not only a kind of a scary word, but it's really misunderstood.
3: Verna, anything that you want to add to that?
1: I think that's very important, and I think what I'm seeing as I work uh, longer uh, in this area is that there is a huge amount of caregiver burnout uh, in, of all ages, and many of the caregivers are working, and it's really hard for them to glean that information, so have it all compressed into one day is a really good way to reach the public. hmm
3: yeah, it's uh, a nice flow. I think you've got a, a, a nice variety, too. John, can you tell us a, a little bit about um, the educational activities um, that are, that are going to be part of this forum? What can people expect at this forum?
4: Certainly. Uh, the forum is really pretty exciting this year. Uh, we have a little different format. We're going basically a full day. And, you know, it starts out we have a keynote speaker, Jacqueline Heron, and she's an author. She authored the book Singing Solo in Search of a Voice for Mom, but we have a a person that has has written extensively about uh, her journey, her personal journey with Alzheimer's, and we're kind of looking forward to that. One of the other breakout sessions, we have uh, Gwen Zazelski from the Alzheimer's Association, and she's gonna kind of give us that, you know, the the 10 warning signs, the Alzheimer's Basics 101. And again, we find that's really valuable because people that come to this, they're at all kinds of different stages uh, in their journey with their, uh, you know, loved one with Alzheimer's. Um, They may just be uh, on the front end, just having gotten a diagnosis or they may have been living with someone for years with a diagnosis and still not knowing what to do. So, Gwen's talk about the the warning signs and and the 101, that's that's good for everybody to have. Uh, We also have uh, Deb Richmond who's from the Alzheimer's Association she's going to talk about you know learning the language communication and memory loss and and again as we work with families uh you know families get so frustrated with with their loved ones they don't understand and they keep asking you know why does mom always ask me you know what time it is or why does she keep repeating this stuff or why do they keep repeating the same stories over and over and so this piece is really important because it lets people know that, you know, the communication that they're getting, you know, that's that's part of the disease. It's it's not mom, you know, trying to get their goat or mom being mad or anything. It's just the way mom is. So I think that's really important for folks to be able to grab that. Um, later on in the day, uh, we've got a panel of experts that are going to show up. Uh, You know, we have a a caregiver that's going to be there. Um, Her husband's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I think, in 2009, and she's going to talk about, you know, parts of that journey, how that's been for her and her daughter. Um, We have a representative from Congressman Rick Nolan's office will be there. Um, Al Doty, he's a former Minnesota representative. He's now working with Congressman Rick Nolan, and uh, Al's mom had Alzheimer's and then passed away from that. So, he has some personal experiences he can share there also. Uh, We're going to have Dr. Mark Holub, a psychiatrist here at Lakewood Health System. He's been working with uh, older adults. And, of course, here at Lakewood, our, our reflections program, we deal with people 55 or older, and he has much experience with that group. Uh, we have Dr. Julie Eggers Huber, who is our clinical psychologist here. She does a lot of testing in terms of the folks that we get here at Lakewood Health System. Kathy Dobson, uh, director of social services, will be here, kind of talk about uh, how she sees that, and when we have folks in the in the care center, talk about uh, you know dealing with the families, uh, and as you know, sometimes that's not as easy as it should be. And then also uh, John Ward, the Minnesota House of Representatives, has uh, agreed to be there. So we've got a little bit of diversity in the panel, um, a lot of different backgrounds. Uh, The day is going to finish up, Um, we have a, a closing keynote. Uh, living well with hope. Uh, that's kind of nice to kind of end the day, the idea with hope. And uh, Janet Byland going to be there. Uh, occupational uh, therapy, talk about uh, interventions. And then we'll also have uh, uh, Gwen come back from the Alzheimer's Association to talk about some resources because that's a big part of what LAMA wants to do. Uh, not only do we want to get information out there, but we want to have resources available locally. And I know one of the big things we try to talk about is we would like someone to be able to call a number and talk to a person and get some answers. Um, it it's really frustrating when you call and you you get one of those recorded lines or someone has to give you a couple more numbers and you know by that time you're 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 tired and what we really want to do is be able to put information in people's hands where they get some results fairly quickly.
3: Wonderful. It's It'll be a fun, fun day. I think packed with great information, and I, I like the the new structure um, that you've you've put on this. Um, I think the panel will be very, very interesting. And uh, you know, I've heard Deb Richmond speak before, and she she just does a great job bringing things home of, you know, how we have to change in terms of of taking care of people and um, the, the little things that can make a huge, huge difference. Uh, in terms of our interactions and reducing the stress and those behaviors that we like to call them um, by just switching um, how we how we're providing care if it's at home or if it's in a community. So I'm excited to be to be part of that. I'll be talking um, about becoming dementia friendly and the importance of that um, and how you know how we're so all in- intertwined. You know, we really can't separate the the public versus the person with the disease, um, versus uh, you know the professionals. We have to work as a team because we all have such such impact, um, you know, on on this whole this whole piece that we're that we're working with. How do um, how do people contact um, you if they want to become part of LAMA?
4: Well, you know, at, at the current time, one of the best things to do would be to, to show up at the uh, at the forum and get to meet some of the llama folks uh, individually. That's a good way to do that. Uh, you know, another one we, we actually have a, a mailing address where people can send us information. You know, to Post Office Box 644 in Brainerd, they can certainly do that. Um, we have a, a blog, but it's currently kind of being revamped, and so I don't want to send people there if and kind of get a dead end. Uh, You know, one of the things is trying to get information out, It's a little difficult sometimes because LAMA as an organization, you know, we don't have an office. We don't have a secretary and a phone line there. And so, uh, again, uh, coming to our meetings, uh, that would be a good thing. We meet the second Wednesday of every month. We meet over at Central Lakes College in Brainerd. Uh, we go in the business and industry door uh, and we, we meet. Uh, usually it's for an hour or more, uh, depending upon how much business we have going on there. But that's a, currently one of the best ways they can kind of get a hold of us. Um, for the, the forum, of course, uh, you go to Central Lakes College to the, the website and you can register right right there if you need to. Uh, that's probably the best way right now to you know become part of the activities that we have going on.
3: Okay, great, and I think it's a nice way to um, to really see what you guys are all about is uh, to to come you know to come to the conference. You'll really get a good feel. So, in order to be part of your um, your group, you don't have to necessarily be a commercial entity. Then they could be a, an individual um, person.
4: You know, uh, Lori, it's it's incredible. Um, the, the folks that are currently you know, part of LAMA, part of the group, I mean, we've got people from Aiken and Baxter, Brainerd, Crosby, Nisswa, Piers, Staples, even down in St. Cloud, we've got people that, that show up in Brainerd for our meetings. Uh, we have people that work in the field, as myself, uh, we have uh, uh, several individuals who are affected by it because their spouse has a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease. And uh, again, uh, somebody from off the street could walk in and just be part of the group because they have an interest in the area. So there's no real criteria for it. Um, there's no initiation fee. We don't charge anything. If you show up and are part of uh, you know, our meetings, we certainly aren't going to make you part of a committee and give you any tasks to do. You're free to pick and choose what you want to do.
3: Wonderful, wonderful. Verna, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Well, in Todd County, we are actually
1: organizing uh, a bus that we'll pick up at each of the senior centers in Todd County and take people to this forum. And that information will be coming out in our monthly newsletter, The Echoes, and in our news release uh, that we'll be sending out right away. And so that would be one way in con- and to t- contact in Todd County. It would be the easiest way, too. Okay. And in Todd County, we've been doing this for several years, and with Rainbow Rider, we actually have been able to offer a really low-cost alternative to traveling, and you can go in a group, and then you get to do a little more networking, and which actually helps that progressive, you know, education where people are starting to talk about what's happening in the community.
3: Oh, that's a that's a wonderful, wonderful way. Uh, to be able to do this that's that's absolutely fantastic and um John, can you tell people uh, how much does it cost to to attend the the conference
4: it It's really inexpensive uh it's It's fifteen dollars, and that uh covers one day of uh all of the the speakers, everything going on it includes lunch we've got vendors there, so you know there's going to be some handouts uh if you uh, are a professional and you want CEUs, uh, the charge is only 50 bucks. So that's really pretty reasonable for a full day of information.
3: Oh, that's that's very reasonable, and it's it'll be a fun day. Um, lots of resources um, and great energy, and I know you won't be disappointed with the information that you that you walk away with. And like Verna said, the connections you'll make. Um, even last year, I saw people connecting. And just you know, in a couple of the um, programs that I did, um, new friends were made just by having these conversations and, and learning together, and you know, not feeling alone. That's just so huge. Um, if we can remove that that isolation and that fear factor, uh, that that seems to be wrapped in dementia, will be uh, will be a big big part. Are there other initiatives that you're also um, planning for? for throughout the year, John, with LAMA?
4: Yeah, yeah, there are. And, and just to kind of get back to your point about, you know, attending that, that forum also, um, I had the privilege of, of doing a couple sessions on Alzheimer's 101. A number of us in the LAMA group have been trained by the Alzheimer's Association to deliver that program. And so I did that a couple of times at the forum last year. And just to see people in the in the group that I'm presenting to, you know, the, kind of their their faces change as they begin to realize that, you know, what what they're experiencing is, you know, they don't have to be alone in this. There's other people like that and it's it's almost a relief when when they come and they hear that there's there's other people out there and they can talk with others. So that was really important in, in terms of uh people part of this. Uh You asked about other things that we do. Uh, One of the big things that we do is uh, we will come out and we will uh, speak to your group, uh, your organization. Uh, You know, if you get a a coffee club, if you have a a Sertoma club, whatever Elks, whatever it is, uh, we will come out. um, We kind of tailor a presentation to you. Uh, One of the things we like to do is that Alzheimer's 101. We kind of talk about the warning signs, the basics, those kind of things. Uh, there's questions and answers throughout that period. Uh, as part of our llama group, we like to get out and do that, you know, once, twice a month if we can. Um, I know Verna was really good. She sits on a committee for the Conference on Aging here in Staples that occurs every June, and I think they're in about their 32nd year, and they're asking for presenters, and Verna said, hey, we got to do this, this Alzheimer's 101. So we're set up to speak there. That's the first Wednesday in June here in Staples. That's at Central Lakes College in Staples. So we're going to come out, a couple of us, and do the Alzheimer's 101. So uh, that's one of the big things that we do. And like I said, I don't want anybody to think that you have to have a huge group. We'll speak to a small group, and we kind of tailor it to your needs. Um, we've been out and we've talked, you know, in the evenings, we've talked in the mornings. It, it doesn't matter. We'll find somebody to come out and, and speak with you. The other thing that we're doing is uh, we're putting together a Get the Facts education series, and we're looking at that in the fall, uh, starting in September. We're going to do that on Tuesday nights in the Brainerd Lakes area. And, and, again, it's it's going to meet every Tuesday for four months, Every excuse me, the first Tuesday of the month for four months, and you know, we're going to do things like the, the Alzheimer's 101, talk about the basics. Um, we may do something uh, have kind of the, the medical perspective, have a doctor psychiatrist in there talking about the medical perspective. We may try to get Deb Richmond to come up to talk about communications, and again, it's kind of be an, an expansion of what we're doing in the forum, but again, we want to do that in the fall to kind of continue our, our mission of, of educating and informing the public.
3: Great. Well, you guys are doing fantastic work and I, I just want to give you all kudos and I was hoping Corey was going to be able to join us, but she is out in Washington DC, if I'm not mistaken, um, doing advocacy work out there. And um you know, it's it's just a powerhouse uh group of people and it's a it's a privilege to uh to know you all and to be working with you. So I, I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for for everything that you're doing. What is um is there a, an email or a phone number for the dementia forum? Should we give them the is the college, the one kind of um, coordinating that for if you want to get Yeah, and, tickets? and the,
4: the the best to do is you can call the college directly. You know, that's a 218 855 8118. Again, uh, call Central Lakes College in Brainerd, 218-855-8118. You can certainly do that, uh, and you can go to their online registration if you wish to do that. And that's uh, not hard to find either. HTTP colon slash slash clc dot aug us OFT.net so it's Central Lakes College Minnesota August and again if you just go to the Brainerd Lakes Central Lakes College in Brainerd you can find their website uh, look under courses and they'll get you right to the LAMA forum
3: wonderful well thank you both for, for being part of the show today um, Verna was there any any last comments that you want to make?
1: I'm really excited that you had us on your show. I really was interested in the previous presentation and really respect you for looking at all the ways that people are addressing this disease, and uh, I really appreciate that on your end as well, and this is the kind of thing that we need to get out to the public because uh, Alzheimer's has been something that, or any kind of mental illness, has been something that people have hidden for so many years, and I think we need to get it out there and it be something we discuss and we actually work for common good.
3: Exactly. There's there's also, um, I'll just put a plug in for Dementia Chats, is a webinar platform I do twice a month, and that is uh, where I interview people with dementia. And this Mm -hmm. last session we talked about changing relationships, and those have been very powerful. Um, I've gotten letters from families, from communities, from doctors, uh, a little bit of everybody saying, I have learned so much um, from listening to these people who have dementia answering these questions. And those are all archived, and they're on the Alzheimer Speaks uh, website. You just have to, when you go there, you'd have to go to the About Us page, and then go down to Become Dementia Friendly. <clears throat> and below the Become Dementia Friendly is the information on the dementia chats and all the archives are there. There's there's also some video on Becoming Dementia Friendly, one that um, if, if you're interested in sharing um, any of these links, please do so. They're all on YouTube. That's what they're there for. One of the most um, popular ones that we've had on the um Learning to become dementia friendly is one that talks about what it's like to have dementia, and people. The response to that one has has just been um, very exciting, because um, they just give some people some examples that it's not just that somebody forgot their keys and um, and so forth. So feel free to share our resources on AlzheimerSpeaks.com. That's what they're there for. We also have some free tools. People can go ahead and and register for as well, the radio programs and the blogs, um, because, again, our goal here is to raise voice of everybody around the world and share information and knowledge. Um, I just think it's the only way to go <laughs> is to be collaborative and to not be so proprietary that we're locking down the services that are needed. Um, by, by sharing knowledge, we can all do a much better job and really Tweak things um, and learn so much faster um, is my is my personal philosophy. So thank you for joining us today, uh, Verna. John, anything else that you want to add?
4: Hey, you know, Lori, just I just really want to invite people to that dementia family community professionals doing it right forum, May 21st, Central Lakes College in Brainerd. Uh, it goes about eight to four. Registration opens at 7:30. Uh, you can certainly call Central Lakes College in Brainerd for any more details or to register there. And again, it's it's 15 bucks. I think it's the best buy in town that day. A full day of information, lunch. Um, I guarantee when you leave, you'll probably feel a little bit better than when you got there.
3: Let me ask you this: If there's somebody from out of town, um, maybe they're in the Twin Cities, uh, but they want to take a drive for a day, would they be welcome? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and of course, on the 21st of May, it's going to be sunny and at least 75 there in central Minnesota.
3: Well, my gosh, let's hope so because they're still talking snow. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting old, isn't it? <laughs>
4: yeah, we're tired of it too.
3: Wonderful. Well, thank you both again for your time today. I really appreciate all that you are doing and uh, that you took the time today to to share with our audience all the all the cool activities uh, that you're up to uh, to shift our dementia care culture. Really appreciate it. So have a blessed day, and we'll see you in May. Okay?
4: Thank okay. you very much. See you then.
3: Bye-bye. Bye. Um, in wrapping up the show today, I just want to, um, again, thank Alzheimer's Disease International and, and to tell people if you're looking for an Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world, um, you know, go to ADI, Alzheimer's Disease International, and you will be able to find um, an association uh, nearest you. Um, also, Coral Health. Again, I am um, going to be really excited to have them on the show. I believe it's May uh, 28th they'll be on, and they are your music prescription. That'll be a, a, an interesting show because it's going to be about the therapeutic aspects of music and how it heals, inspires, and supports um, all of us, not just people with dementia, but the effect it has on everybody. But again, we'll be talking specifically how it can be utilized um, for those with with dementia. And if you all wouldn't mind saying a prayer for me, I put in that million-dollar idea for St. Paul. Minnesota to become the first Dementia-Friendly City. They're going to be picking uh, like 30 finalists out of, I think it was like 950 ideas that they, they got. Uh, that will be coming, I think it's May 8th or 9th. Um, they're going to be picking those, and I would love for the Dementia-Friendly Community idea to, uh, to be one of those finalists and um, push its way out into the world. Uh, I also wanted to mention there's a fantastic video that I posted on my blog that is done by uh, Kathy Greenblatt, and she wrote a book called Love, Loss, and Laughter. And it's five minutes of the importance of touch. And it is just so uplifting. Um, It's something you're not going to want to miss. So you can, again, just go to www.alzheimerspeaks.com, and in the right-hand corner, there'll be the blog scroll, and you'll you can see <clears throat> get to the blog from there and be able to find that that video. You can also get to the dementia chats uh, recording if you'd like to from from that aspect as well. Our next uh, dementia chats will be on uh, May 14th. I may have to change the time just because I'm going to be traveling that day. And, again, Dementia Chats is where we interview people on a webinar platform where the experts are those with dementia. Our upcoming uh, program, we are going to have on the third Tom and Karen Brenner, um, who have written a fantastic book on um, the connection with, with uh, dementia patients again. And then Ellen Gerst will be talking about grieving. On May 6th, I'm going to have a, a son who made a video about his dad with dementia, and then author Lisa Hirsch, who wrote the book My Mother, My Hero. And on the 13th, we'll have Linda McLean, um, who is all about appreciation and gratitude and how do we live with a chronic disease like this and feel grateful. Um, And the second half of the program will be Dr. Daniel Nightingale, who was originally from the U.K. and now lives in the U.S. and is here to make some big changes in terms of collaboration as well. So, again, I thank you all so much for listening, and if you wouldn't mind, again, pushing that Like button or tweeting us out, helping us spread the word, Um, all of those little things have a great impact Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk soon. Bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show.